0: For better or worse, children used to be taught to know their place, right? Among adults, they were to be seen and not heard. Now, kids work out their own dynamics on the playground and their hierarchy in the classroom, but among adults, their place was established. Some of you remember when you got called up to a higher place of honor. Hey, Jimmy, come over here and tell daddy's friends about that award you got. This was your moment. For a time, you were on the spot and had the opportunity, had a new place of honor, and you probably froze up and fumbled your words, and your mom explained it to them instead, but hey, you were young. You were brought up out of your place to another one abruptly. Well, today we're going to explore a lot of the dynamics in the church and see how the church honors one another and how people take the places marked out for them, and they keep Jesus, of all, in the highest seat of honor. In Acts chapter 18, 18 through 23, let's just plunge in. After this, or after the charges against Paul in Corinth were dropped and the mob dispersed his accusers, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Cancria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. Now, pause for a moment. A lot of scholars point to this to say that Paul still respected Jewish customs. Now, I sheared my hair this week to connect myself with my son, who's at marine recruit training. It might be a little different, even though I've pretended it's probably exactly the same, right? So they, so this is Paul, Priscilla, Aquila, and his crew, came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. So here we see Paul's new Italian friends, introduced in the first part of this chapter, Aquila and Priscilla, becoming his ministry partners on the road. They'd been kicked out of Rome, And as merchants, they spend a lot of time with Paul in their shared craft of of leather work, or tent making is the the larger term there. The order of the names in this section is important. They are now called Priscilla and Aquila. (laughs) This is a lot like Barnabas and Paul becoming Paul and Barnabas. And that happens when Paul steps forward as the chief speaker. And we'll come back to this. Um, at Concrea, the, the other side of the Isthmus from Corinth, he sails to an important city in modern-day Turkey that he's been wanting to get to for a while. Ephesus is one of the largest and most important cities in the Roman Empire. And it's probably where Paul and Silas and Timothy wanted to go. We read about that in Acts 16, but were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go there. But he leaves his friends in the city and makes his traditional pit stop in the synagogue. Because in Paul's mind, and as, his, as he understands his mission, the gospel is for the Jew first, and then also for the Gentiles. And I wonder if Paul is making sure he gets to the synagogue first to keep his mission in order. Jew first, also to the Greek. And I'll bet money that, that if he had waited and had been hanging out in the marketplace, you know, getting a smoothie or something. His first conversation in Ephesus would obviously be about Jesus anyway. So is it possible he was covering his mouth with his hand to make sure that the Jews got the first crack at obedience to Jesus, the Messiah, as Lord? Well, at least that's the picture in my head. But they asked him to stay a while in Ephesus, but he had a whirlwind tour ahead of him. He's going to go from Corinth, right, to Ephesus, where he is, to Caesarea, Jerusalem, Antioch, Galatia, Phrygia, Ephesus, and back to Corinth. It says when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up. That's from the coast. Up, that's Jewish language of going up to Jerusalem, up to the mountain of God. And he greeted the church. And then he went down north to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia, Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Hmm. Dean Pinter talks about this. He says, Paul's Nazarite vow and the greetings offered to the church in Jerusalem are important markers in the narrative. They remind the reader that even though the Gentile mission is in full swing, it's a mission that's the first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Read that in Romans a lot, but Romans 1.16 especially. And what did these churches need? Well, strength. (laughs) And why did they need it? Well, everything was against them. Their old friends, uh, the society, they had cast off idols and gone contrary to their culture. They were a righteous remnant. We looked at that last week, facing pressure from all sides. They needed more power, more strength. And Paul the strengthening the church against the tide that was coming in all around them. Dean Pinter goes on to say that the strengthening they need is related to the resolve required to maintain their trust in Christ and their dependence on the Spirit in the face of false teaching and persecution, threats that were real for Christians in these areas. If the church is to bear witness that Jesus is Lord, we're going to need to find our strength together in him. We need missionary leaders, apostolic types, you know, we need prophetic types, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, who will help us understand the story that we're in, as well as the current chapter of that story that we're in. So how do I keep my faith in the midst of all these pressures? How do we keep our faith? I think we can assume that Every church everywhere has needed this kind of encouragement. Moving on in in Acts 18, verse 24 through 28. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, that's Egypt, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning jesus though he knew only the baptism of john he began to speak boldly in the synagogue but when priscilla and aquila heard him they took him aside and explained to him the way of god more accurately i'm imagining these students of paul they've been training under paul Priscilla and Aquila excitedly listening to Apollos talk about Jesus. Oh, I wish Paul was here listening to Apollos. He would love this. That's great. They're reliving the stories about Jesus that they've been told and, and probably hearing some new ones as well. And then they start looking at each other in the middle of the speech and say, wait, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know, does he? he? I don't think he knows. It's almost A.D. 52. It's been a bit since Jesus was raised and ascended to the Father's right hand. It's been almost 20 years, and he's teaching like Pentecost hasn't happened. Surely he knows that Jesus sent the Spirit among his disciples. Right? He, he preaches with fire and zeal, but he hasn't mentioned the Spirit of God once yet. <laughs> well, he has been in Egypt. It's a, it's a bit of a ways away, but oh, man. You know, because you may recall John's message, the baptizer, uh, was a message and baptism of repentance. Prepare the way for the coming king, which was Jesus. The Paulus must have learned from John's disciples about why Jesus was the answer to the hope of Israel and, and in a center of learning like Alexandria. It went through all the scrolls and scriptures and found out this is true. this is the one we've been waiting for. But he didn't know about baptism in Jesus name. Or as we find out in the commission, you know, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what about the Spirit of God coming down on those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in his resurrection and are baptized and filled, right, filled with the Spirit? What about that? And so Apollos had some learning to do. And guess what? Priscilla took the lead in explaining to this eloquent, learned man the way of God more accurately. It's really cool. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, that's to go back across toward Greece, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, and, and this is the place where we started this tour, is, is in Corinth, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ the Corinthian church absolutely loved? Apollos, he's a Jewish man, right? Um, trained in all these ways. He's such an eloquent and powerful speaker, and could show that the Messiah was Jesus. <laughs> I'm captivated by that phrase. I don't know if you catch it. That the Messiah was Jesus, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ, and for me, a Gentile, that order makes all the sense, you know. I, I met Jesus and then learned his backstory and oh, it's all coming together now. But in a synagogue with Jews then and now, it goes the other way. Messiah is the, the hero that's coming to save the day, whereas Jesus is the suspicious figure they can't quite put in his place. But think about it. How important is it to put Jesus in his place? To know his place. Now, in a sense, he doesn't need your support, right? He's at the right hand of the Father, in glory, in charge of the angel armies, and isn't pandering for your vote, right? He doesn't need your 360 review to get a promotion. That's totally true, but each of us have a tendency to demote him, right? But that's not right. He deserves the highest praise, the loudest shouts, all glory and honor and Power are due the name of Jesus. So, let's keep Jesus in his place. Yes, church. And then what about Apollos? Well, Apollos is a man well educated in the Scriptures. He's a traveling scholar, but but he's not too smart to learn. A Jewish man trained in Alexandria, uh, you know, in rhetoric and speech, and and he knows all these things. He but but he's not too smart to learn. Apollos knew his place. Now, he's sitting not only at the feet of tent makers, Priscilla and Aquila, they they weren't high society by any means, but of, of a woman. Women didn't have access to the kinds of education men would have had. So to be taught by a woman would have been humbling for a man, and Apollos was a learned man at that. And yet, Apollos had a teachable attitude. He was willing to be taught more and better truth about Jesus. What a great guy. No wonder the churches loved him. So here's just a, a pesky pastor question. Are you done learning? Have you closed the notebook? Or do you have a posture of a learner? It's graduation season. We're done learning. No more books. Well, is that your case as well? And what about Priscilla? Did she know her place? <laughs> I think Paul showed Priscilla her place. Paul saw her gifting and and trained her. And and her place was, guess what, to train their best missionary. Amazing. Hey, you and your hubby need to stay here, pour into Apollos, so that the gospel can spread even without us. It's a really interesting passage for those who want to put women in their place. According to Luke, here in Acts, a woman's place appears to be where her gifting, learning, and spiritual maturity is. Christ-likeness, training, and spiritual gifting determines the platform for both men and women. Let me say it again. Christ-likeness, training, spiritual gifting determines the platform, the place, for both men and women. Okay, check this out. Phoebe, the deacon from Cancreia, was the one who Paul sent the letter we call the Romans. And he sends the letter with her and she's to read it to the churches. She would have read it aloud in each house church. And when they had questions, (laughs) oh girl, do we have questions about Romans? She would have been taught how to answer them. This is what I want you to say. Paul put that woman in her place as well. God likes to turn our expectations upside down and allow the last to become first. Listen to Paul's fondness for this power couple in the letter that Phoebe presented to the Roman churches. In Romans 16, three through five, Paul writes, greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in her house. (laughs) So we've put, Jesus in his place, Apollos knew his place at the feet of Priscilla and Aquila. Paul put Priscilla in her place of honor, and now the church needs to know its place. The church is God's kingdom outpost, meant to show and tell the world the goodness of the king by living like Jesus. Christ-likeness is our goal, or as Scott McKnight calls it, Christoformity. How many of us have grown up with a religion that we falter and fail to accomplish completely? Our pews and pulpits are filled with people trying to keep the way of Jesus, but don't have the Spirit of God empowering them. They have that Apollos gap, right? They don't have the Spirit of God teaching us to pray, giving us a heart for the lost, shaping our character from the inside out. Outwardly, we experience decay, but inwardly, we're being renewed by the Spirit. And so as we saw with Apollos, the process of Christ formation has a lot of variables and setbacks. But when led by the Spirit, likeness is the end result of our life together. That's our place to be like Christ. Tom Wright notes this. He says, Luke offers us no set pattern for the way in which people come step by step into full membership of the Christian family and full participation in all the possibilities that are thereby open to them. Sometimes it happens this way, sometimes that. Just as humans grow to maturity at different paces, and some make great strides in one area, while others have to catch up later, so it seems to be in the church. What matters is that we're open, ready to learn, even from unlikely sources, and prepared for whatever God has to reveal to us through the scriptures, the apostolic teaching, and the ongoing and always unpredictable common life of the believing family. Just a few takeaways here. Church, seek Christ-likeness for yourself and for the church. That's the goal. Are we becoming like Christ? together, growing up into the maturity, the full stature. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, the the whole stature of who Christ is. Are we becoming that for the world? Second takeaway, make room for the process of spiritual growth in others, right? There's lots of setbacks, lots of difficulty, lots of variables. Make room for the process of spiritual growth in others. Third, acknowledge the gift that our siblings are to the church. Wow, you know what? I know your place. Your place is encouragement. Your place is teaching. Your place is, is helping. Your place is serving. Your place is, is singing. Your place, like, help people know their place. Wow, God really shows up in this way through you right? When you come together in any kind of gathering that we do, are you looking for like, how's God going to show up through that person, that person, that person? That's what we're talking about. The spiritual gifting that God gives to the church through you and them. So acknowledge the gift that the siblings are to the church. Talk to them about it. And never stop learning about Jesus, right? We need to be lifelong learners. Don't close the notebook. I mean, Jesus is our is our subject, and it's an inexhaustible subject, right? He's actually the goal and the purpose of our faith. So as we think about knowing our place, knowing Jesus' place, and, and knowing our own place as the church and in the church, let me just finish with this. John 17, 1 through 3. Jesus, he had been praying and speaking these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Everybody knows their places here, right? To give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. (laughs) Jesus sits in glory and glorifies the Father, and our place together is, is to glorify.